0: It's Tuesday, April second. Welcome to Market Fuli. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, the one and only Bill Man. Thanks for being here. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're we're gonna dip into the full mailbag. Okay. We're, we're gonna talk airlines because there's a bunch of stuff going on in the airline industry, or I should say, one thing with a big ripple effect. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to Lyft. but first, I should say a word about yesterday's episode. You 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 may you may want to review. What has happened? So yesterday was April first, the day that is our national holiday here at the Motley Fool. It is the day when everyone's fool. a fool, fool nation. And so, uh, thank you to the dozens of listeners who tweeted at me, tweeted at Market Foolery, who wrote in asking things like, "Hey, you talked about Roman Financial Services, and I couldn't find the ticker." What 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 is the ticker for McCloskey Holdings? I could I could not find that. Not everyone was asking those questions. Some people wrote things like, "Hey, you're not going to name names are I'm you? not going to name oh. names. But uh, some people wrote in and said, "Hey, I was about 7 minutes into the episode when it finally kicked in <laughs> that everything you were talking about was fiction." And uh and to that, uh we we tipped the jester cap to Tom Gardner, David Gardner, the co-founders of the Motley Fool, and I believe employee number one, Todd Etter. Todd Etter. uh, Because they are the creators of some of our oldest and I would argue best, most effective April Fool's pranks. Effective in that people get fooled and there is a financial lesson attached to them. Yeah. Yeah. And McCloskey,
1: Larry McCloskey, the big fan of the show. Uh, CEO of McCloskey Industries, used to call in quite a bit. Yes,
0: Larry McCloskey was the straw man um, (laughs) who uh, would appear in different jokes from time to time, and Todd Etter would, yes, on the original Motley Fool radio show, which was a live three-hour show on Saturdays, coast-to-coast, David and Tom hosting that every once in a while. Larry McCloskey would call in. Yeah, and, whether
1: Tom or David were prepared or not. Yeah, it was great. <laughs>
0: um, all right, let's let's get to the airline industry. First quarter results for Delta Airlines are going to be reported next week, but this morning Delta raised their guidance for the first quarter. Yeah, shares of Delta up seven percent, and the ripple effect through all the airlines. St- I mean, all they're not all up seven percent, but they're all up. Uh, we'll get to Delta in a second. Should they all be up? Because it appears as though Delta's reasons for raising the guidance have to do with healthy demand yeah. among passengers and fuel costs in line with what they had thought, and maybe even they're going to save a little bit more money on fuel costs. It should. Investors just be assuming, oh well, that's the case for Delta. Therefore, it's the case for all of them.
1: I think so. I mean, I think that it's certainly it's certainly the case that uh, you know Delta said that their revenues are going to be up seven percent, uh, and they said that their fuel costs are are lower than expected. You can't just take the you, you you can't just take the raw pricing for for fuel and assume that that's what airlines are paying because they have forwards for every, you know for everything. So it may be the case that Delta's forward pricing is better than other airlines. Than its competitor airlines, but they are all playing in the same market, and you're talking about a commodity, and the fuel is definitely the largest expense for the airline. So, yeah, good news for them. And after the last couple of weeks with, you know, wondering who flies 737s and who doesn't, you know, it's a, it's 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 good for the airlines to have a little bit of good news to point to.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the 737 because I, every I shouldn't say every quarter, but frequently it is the case where there is some sort of uh, event that happens and just around the office here will say, hey, how many times on conference calls this quarter do you think we're going to hear the word or phrase blank? With earnings coming up for the airlines how many times do you think we're going to hear the word boeing on conference calls cuz all of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> even the airlines even the airlines that only
1: fly airbus or other air, you know or other air manufacturers uh planes they're still going to mention boeing if if nothing else just to say by the way we don't fly any boeing planes <laughs> right so um they're all going to mention it. Now it is important to note that what and you know it doesn't really help any airlines to put the bug into the back of people's heads that occasionally airplanes fall out of the sky at all. So I don't think that there will be much in the way of like Schadenfreude, but there will be a lot of discussion about about the uh, 737 Max and whether the airlines have, you know, the 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 proper uh, safety protocols and safety equipment installed. It will come up.
0: After going decades with not owning not only not owning airline stocks but going out of his way to talk down the airline industry <laughs> uh, Warren Buffett is now invested in I believe at least 4 of Heavily, the major airlines yeah
1: including Delta so
0: so uh, yeah. uh, well good I'm glad Berkshire Hathaway's having a good day today yeah. I'm, I'm glad something finally worked out for That's Buffett. right those guys it's nice that uh, you know it's nice that they finally caught a break um, do, do you own any airline stocks
1: uh I do. I do. I own a uh, I own a European carrier
0: called Wizz Air. Yeah. That's, that's really the name, Wizz Air. It's
1: really the name. Yeah, they fly in Eastern Europe and they are if anything a cheaper version of Ryanair. Wow, I didn't know that was possible. Right, right. You you know, you you bring your own seats on board. Not really, but you know, it basically um
0: What yeah. what attracted you to I, I this is the first time I've ever heard of Wizz Air. Um what is the thing that attracted you to them was it just sort of well, they've they've got ownership of sort of a certain geography?
1: The, the, yes, they are they're primarily uh, flying from Western Europe into Eastern Europe, very much the same strategy as a Southwest Airlines where they fly into the secondary or tertiary airports uh they have the lowest cost structure by a lot of all of their competitors and when you're talking about a commodity industry which the airlines definitely are even though they do specialize in one direction or the other lowest cost ultimately wins because at some point in time we will be in an environment that's not like this where you know where all the airlines are saying Wow, our fuel costs were much higher than we expected, and at those points in times, you want to be you want to be behind the airline that is creating the pr- the pressure for every other airline.
0: Let's move on to the stock in the spotlight for really the past week, and that's Lyft, which isn't <laughs> uh, Lyft down again today, um, in part because. Uh, wh- So this is a stock that goes public last Friday at seventy-two. It immediately pops up to the mid-eighties, comes back down. Yesterday the story was it was below uh, the IPO price. It's uh, now in sort of the mid to high sixties, and a firm has come out and put not only put a sell rating on it, but put a price target of (sighs) forty-two. So two
1: things: one, it is very interesting, funny to say that after forty-eight hours, Lyft is officially in a bear market. That's true. That is technically true. Yes. Uh, So um, it also is is a little bit to me. It's a sign of what an amazing job the underwriters did, right? In terms of getting it priced as high as possible, because this is one of the few times that you know that the airline, you know, the airline. We're back to airlines now. That the company is really. On the other side of the table, with its with, with its with its prospective shareholders, it is the, an IPO is supposed to be a money raising event for the company. So Lyft has raised as much money as they possibly could by pricing it at a, you know at a place that's perhaps not sustainable as a as a stock price. They priced into the enthusiasm, and as a result, they're going to be able to subsidize our rides for even longer.
0: So. In the lead up to this IPO, just talking to you and other analysts here at the Motley Fool, the common refrain I heard was Yes, I'm interested in this company. Hell no, not at at, this price. Not at 72. By the way, Go back a week prior or ten days prior to the IPO, when the range that was being reported for the IPO was sixty-two to sixty-eight. Yeah, and there were people saying, "I'm not interested in the you know at you know sixty-four dollars a share." Yeah. At what point does this stock become even more than interesting? At what point does this stock get priced in such a way where reasonable people look at it and go, "Well, that's just stupid that it's that low."
1: Eventually, but uh, so but every time we're not there. Yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah, eventually is not a number. So uh, I, you know, I do think that you're talking about a company that you know is basically, essentially in this country a duopoly with Uber. You know, they compete quite well uh, for a product or service that people want and would hurt very badly if it disappeared tomorrow because we would have to do things like take cabs again, and nobody wants that. Um, but. Whenever I think about you know a company of this nature, I think about things like this. When you read their uh, their S one, they say we have a history of net losses and we may not be able to achieve or maintain profitability in the future. That to me, w- you want a company to be profitable. I mean, eventually. Uh, so, <laughs> if, well, if I'm thinking to- of going long, I'm definitely going to read that and then think about
0: the price. I was going to say they didn't even put a time on that. They didn't even, you know. I I thought I was not expecting a period after the word future. I was thinking it was going to be in the future five years. Right. Right. So
1: it it may not happen for us, is what they said.
0: So you mentioned Uber, which is reportedly going public later this month. Yeah. What does the last week? As we've seen it play out with Lyft, what does that do to Uber's IPO? Does that make not just mom and pop investors like you and me, but does that make professionals on Wall Street say, "Well, oh, wait a minute, I'm I, I, I'm not looking to bid this thing up."
1: I don't. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna make a guess that a lot of the enthusiasm about Lyft's IPO. Uh, and certainly, once it came public, had to do with either forced buyers—you know, people who were going to eventually have to put it into some sort of index—or uh, mom and pop investors. They were the ones who got really excited about this. You know, obviously, the Lyft is the first of the uh, of the unicorns uh, to come public, and so there—you know—it may ha- actually impact. Uh, not necessarily Uber because Uber, you know they could pull their IPO, you could do it you could you could do that right up until the time that it prices. They're probably committed at this point to do it and the you know and the environment for them to do it isn't necessarily that bad based on what has happened with Lyft, although it's not great news for them. but it, yeah,
0: although presumably if you're Uber, part of the narrative that you're Sharing when you do the roadshow is ways in which our business is different right. from Lyft. <laughs> right, we're we're not just domestic. We have the you know Uber Eats, uh, which I'm starting to see television commercials for. Yeah. Um, so presumably that's they're going to be leaning harder on that part of the narrative now that because as you said this there you can't convince me that this is a plus for Uber. No, no, but it, but but it is.
1: It is a plus for a different narrative, which the narrative isn't necessarily, hey, the market is great for, you know, and is and is you know is wide open for this type of an IPO. The narrative is now, by the way, we are a superior business.
0: Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Phil Silvera, who writes, I often hear people talking about staying in cash until a stock comes into their buying range. My question is, what do you do with that cash while you're waiting? I'm invested in some equities that I love, but also have a significant amount of dry powder waiting for investment opportunities. Do you suggest leaving it in whatever money market account the brokers set you up with, uh, Schwab, Fidelity, etc.? Or are there shorter-term things that you do? Do you buy CDs, invest in a treasury index, or do you just leave it in cash? Thanks very much. Great question. Phil, it's a super question.
1: And I guess it really depends on whether you are keeping the powder dry, if you've got a time determined that you're going to be investing, or if you're just waiting for an opportunity. If you're waiting for an opportunity, as we have seen with the stock market, for example, starting in November and ending really at the end of December, when the opportunity comes you have to be ready and the and the opportunity might not stay there that long i mean what was the narrative of the market at the beginning of this year says, you know we're in a bear market what is it now well steady as she goes right companies are up 30 40 50% since then and more so i would not if you have a time indeterminate uh um strategy with your with your cash you're waiting for a buying opportunity i wouldn't have it in anything that you couldn't sell in in 20 seconds
0: right and it also seems like it, uh, beyond just uh, you know being able to sell it in 20 seconds it's uh, I don't know. I I read Phil's question and I just my gut instinct was, well, I'm lazy, so mine's in cash. <laughs> like, I, like that's that, that's that sounds right. that sounds exhausting to be juggling. You know, even though it's not, but it just like that's that's yeah. just how it hit me on a gut level. It was like, uh, no, I think I'd rather just leave it in cash. And I realized that, yeah, I'm I'm out a couple percentage points uh, of gain probably if yeah. uh, depending on what short term CD or or tip that you're invested in, but. Um, yeah,
1: and, and and if you do have I mean if you're thinking of cash as, you know, you, you, as as a strategy uh, or as an asset class then yes, you absolutely uh tips actually are 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 my favorite. If you're, you know, if you're trying to remain neutral to the market, you also want to try and re- remain neutral to inflation.
0: Well, and I guess one other thing to consider there and this is this is an argument against cash and more for CDs and treasuries. Is... You hate cash, don't you? Just <laughs> <laughs> get Jason
1: Moser in here. I just like
0: to picture Phil with like at his computer, and next to him is just a stack of cash. Yeah, um, no, I you know, the argument in favor of, of tips or CDs, um, is well, what is what stocks are you invested in? Because if you're someone who's looking to balance out your risk, and not everyone is, but if you are and you don't really have any of those classic blue chip dividend payers in your portfolio then yeah that might be a way to balance out your risk a little bit yep i think that's right yeah i think that's exactly right but you know just keep in
1: mind what it is that you're trying to do and that you know you just don't you know if it's if it's cash don't pretend that something that is low risk is actually cash because things you know, especially in the equity market, even things that seem like they're low-risk, they tend to move together.
0: Bill man, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.